everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? Well, Robbie, I was great. And then I saw this episode, and now I'm, well, I'm not as bad as a lot of episodes, but, you know, not as happy as I was. I, this was, I, I don't know. I think we just had such a terrible run lately, Matt. I, like the past two, especially. Um, this is This is fine. I think that's. I'm gonna say that right now. This is, this is fine. It's not good, but it's not good. But it's again, it's not nearly. As bad I have as just. I just, my expectations are just so low. I just can't get any. Like I just don't expect anything. Uh, and even sometimes they disappoint me. But still, I think I'm. I'm okay. Hi guys. Hello. We are ready by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to Patreon dot com slash the Simpson Show. Hey, you listener out there who ignores this part of the show. Because you hear me say it every week, and you're not, I'm not going to give them $2 a month to listen to some bonus. Why? I get this episode for free. Hey, stop being a freeloader. You know, that's what I say. Go give, give us $2. <laughs> you don't have to, but we really appreciate it. Plus, yeah. you get a bunch of bonus podcasts out of it. Uh, it's we, true. If you like listening to us, my God, you will never have to not listen to us again. <laughs> we we put a lot of work into the Patreon. We really appreciate you if you help support the show there. Um. $2 a month get you access to all our bonus podcasts. $5 get you access to this episode earlier and cut a few days early. Plus, uh, back po- all the back podcasts, all the ones that are falling off the main feed, all the good episodes, uh, those <laughs> most of the good ones at this point are on the archive and they get uploaded every single Sunday. So you should go check that out. This week's episode is Lisa the Drama Queen, episode KBFF22, originally aired January 25th. 2009, written by Brian Kelly, who had been off the show for five years, Matt. This is his first episode he wrote in five years, five years' time. Um, this is also our first episode in 2009. We've made it to 2009, Matt. Yay, 2009. Woo! I mean, yeah, yay, 2009. One of the most, probably, <laughs> most depressed point in my life. <laughs> back in the, back in 2009. Out of college, no jobs, anywhere, living at home. Really great time in my life. Oh, I mean, 2022 is all right, though, for me. So eh, I can look back in 2009, Robbie, say it'll get better, buddy. Um, directed by Matthew Nastug, received a 3.1 rating with 5.7 million viewers. Uh, I wasn't expecting a lot of news out of this one, Matt, but there's a lot of stuff that happens here. This is the lowest rated Simpsons episode to the to date. <laughs> wow. The Lady Gaga episode was rated higher than this, probably by Lady Gaga fans, but still. No, lowest rated, like lowest, pe- less least amount of people watched it, Matt. Not the, we haven't gotten a Lady Gaga oh, yet. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, as in ratings, not rated. Yeah, gotcha. I just said the rating. Okay, yes. At this point, this is the lowest watched episode yet. It will, obviously, they will continue to set low bars. Uh, but, hey, you would think that The Simpsons at this point would go, you know, maybe we're driving away viewers with these terrible episodes. Maybe we should do better. Mm, no let's just go to hd and and ignore it um because this is also the last episode that is not in hd in standard four by three with the original intro this is the last one we won't get it ever again Uh, a blessing i guess it's a blessing and a curse because at this point i'm excited for something different um just because i have to do the show every week but I don't know. There is certain charm to the four by three aspect ratio, just because probably because I attach it to the gold years episodes because they look like the way they look. Yeah. Um, the show will look great. I'll say that. Um, the chalkboard gag, I will not use permanent ink on the chalkboard. The couch gag, 
The family is part of a toy set called Simpsons Couch Gag number 429. The comic book guy slaps a 19.99 price tag of the box and comments, worst couch gag ever. Which, 19.99? Toy set? That toy set for 19.99? Oh boy, that's a deal. That's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. give me that, man. That's that's that. You can tell that's the the difference because nowadays that'd be forty. It'd be 39.99, and we'd be like, oh, that's not too bad. 40 bucks for that? That's not so bad. <laughs> Everything's expensive. This episode, guest stars Fall Out Boy as themselves, sort of. They don't actually don't appear. They do the end credits. They do the yeah. version of the Simpsons theme song over the end credits. They do not appear in the... Maybe they originally were in this episode, and then they got cut. I don't know where they'd be. No. May, oh, wait. Man, I have... Are they Josh Groban? Yeah, I was wondering... Maybe they were originally the band that Juliet and Lisa Bond over, but someone said they wouldn't like Fall Out Boy, and so they got Josh Groban, or Josh Groban's PR team went, we'll throw you some extra money to make it us. I don't know. Fox, or maybe Fox went, oh, Josh Groban's, we have his record deal, so we want Josh Groban, not Fall Out Boy. I don't know. Uh, This episode also stars Emily Blunt as Juliet. She's fine. I like Emily Blunt in general. She is fine as Juliet. Um... I feel like they get real close to Juliet being a cool, an interesting character, and then they kind of back off. Yeah. Um, that's the story of this episode, I think. Uh, this episode, this is also, Matt, here. This is the other thing we'll mention. This is the first episode that is a four-act episode. From now on, at this point forward, moving forward, there, will be f- there are four acts, three-act breaks um, to allow for more commercials, I'm pretty sure. And well, of course. Matt and I are going to be uh, obviously changing up the format because uh, there's not three acts anymore. We're going to go one. I'm going to go one. Matt's going to do two. I'm going to do three. Matt's going to do four. So now Matt gets to do the endings, which is just delightful because uh, they usually are the worst. <laughs> they are usually the typically they're the worst, dumbest things. And now you get them, Matt, not me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So the, the first act is actually normal length. Um, they divvy up. I don't know. That's an, and I think that's another. It really interesting... feels like acts one and two are about normal length. They're just a tiny bit short, and then the last act gets cut in half. Yeah, and who knows? I think all of this is in service to them prepping for the switch to HD. I think that with the HD intro being different and could be variable links as well, and um, changes to their format, they're just like, well, we can switch up the show and probably make it even easier on themselves, which I don't, I don't think it's that hard, but whatever. Um, so starts off with the kids being dropped off at the rec center, Homer dropping up Art and Lisa, cause he doesn't want to have to deal with them. Um, I'm going to say this right off the bat, Matt, I'm not going to bring it up every single time it happens, but Homer is not a focus, a focal point in this episode. He's mostly which in the, is nice. It is nice. He's mostly in the background, but literally every time well, he's he, used for a lot of comic relief, and it's not funny at all. I, Matt, you, we get, again sneer quotes. Comic relief. Uh-huh. It, it is so terrible. Every time Homer appears, it's Captain Wacky. It is just awful. I cannot. He brings down every single scene he's in with this the stupidest jokes. Uh, so let's check in. Did you laugh at this episode? Um. Cannot say that I did. No, I did not laugh I don't either. Think so I did not laugh uh, one time. Uh, <laughs> I I I was not. Dis- I, okay, so okay. For that's the first check in. Let's do another check in. 
How many times did this episode disgust you? Hmm, disgust me. Uh, only two or three, I think. I'm gonna say major. I'm gonna say zero times. I'm gonna go zero. I don't think I was disgusted. Like, there's no moments where a bee calls him a calls a person dressed as a bee an Uncle Tom. You know, that's my that is yeah. my that's my bar. Like, oh, that's gross. There was no moments like that in this episode. I didn't go, oh, that's gross. So, ooh, hey, no last, but also no terrible awfulness. Um, comic book guys teaching kung fu, uh, which that's mildly interesting for a moment. You're like, okay, that's neat. You're like, okay, comic book guy is more than just this fat nerd stereotype. And then all the kids beat him up. They they team up to beat him up because he dares Bart to attack him. Um, okay, that's. I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like. Okay, man. Bart is ten years old, and all those mm-hmm. kids are roughly that age. And there's probably what twelve of them, fifteen. Probably, yeah. If you had to deal with fifteen ten-year-olds coming at you, could you do it? Could you handle them hand to hand? No, wep- no weapons. Easily. Yeah, I actually kicked them real hard. I was gonna say, like one, you just not, just hit them once each they're gonna fall down most of them will start crying like i don't even comic book guy not a guy, he's not in great shape but you just kick him one time punch him throw an elbow they're, those kids are gonna collapse maybe one or two of the kids are like exemplary kids but i could t- take 10 year olds come on man um then we go to what lisa's doing we check in with lisa she is in an art class um she doesn't have enough paint um and the art teacher is mean a uh, very not nice lady. Uh, we're having a trend here with these teachers at this rec yeah, center. Someone, someone who should not be around children. Let's yeah, say. she should not be teaching to children. Um, but this is when uh, we meet and Lisa meets Juliet. Stop! Stop! Juliet, this is terrible. Your art is personal and wrong. I was painting with my heart. And if you look carefully, you can see that the knight is Josh Groban, our young century's greatest vocalist. Oh, another Grobanite. Um, excuse me, but I think her painting is very imaginative. I suppose you'd like to teach this class. Yes, I would. Class, everyone please stop and admire Juliet's painting. I do not need this. My family owns a gas station. If you two thoughtful and creative girls don't like the way I teach, there's a world of fun outside. See ya. (laughs) Robbie, is this supposed to be satire? Of what? <laughs> of Bad who? teachers, I guess. I just no. I don't like, think so. There I think... are ways of doing this that you could that, that makes sense and, and art so like thrown in I, your face. Like people understand subtlety. I don't. I don't think it needs to in this instance. But I think this is fine. Honestly, don't have a problem with this. Like it's like oh, it's Lisa and this this new girl bonding over a shared experience, and it's. If it's a bad, there's bad teachers in the world. There's teachers worse than this. Uh, oh, much worse. Yeah. So th- I don't care about this. Uh, and I feel like this teacher going like, oh, you didn't paint the right thing, Juliet. And Lisa going, no, you did. You painted something personal. It doesn't really matter what you paint in this class anyway. And then leaving, you know, ditching class and going to hang out together. That's a nice, that's nice enough. Um, I, I, again, we get right to this, Matt. Okay. This is, a, this episode is about Lisa. And Juliet's friendship and whatever, all the stuff that happens out of it. We get here real quick. I don't really have a problem with this. I'm fine with it. 
there could be jokes that are better or jokes at all. I think that's my main complaint about this whole episode is jokes at all. There could be jokes, but it largely makes sense. And like, I think there is a divide between like, well, I I feel like I have to pick it. See, pick one of these things, Matt. Okay. And it probably defines what kind of latter year Simpsons fan you are because everyone likes the golden years. No one is like, you might have a different favorite episode, but everyone likes most of the golden years. But in the latter day Simpsons, the last 20 plus years, you either are like, okay, what of the episodes, do you like the ones that are crazy and make no sense, but have jokes in them or the episodes that are kind of dull or very dull, but mostly make sense plot wise. They're coherent because this is the latter. This is a mostly coherent story. No jokes. And it's dull. There's not yeah, really... It's just incredibly boring. Like, I get where they're going, but it's not fun to watch. Uh, well, you, you, wait, wait, okay. Okay, what's... It's not fun to see Lisa and Juliet just sing a Josh Groban song? It's not, oddly enough. <laughs> I'm not a... I have nothing against Josh Groban, in particular. Josh Groban is an amazing vocalist. I mean, obviously. But also... Eh? I, don't, I don't... I've never, ever in my life intentionally listen to josh groban he is josh groban is the person you buy for the elderly person in your life at christmas time you buy them a josh groban christmas cd (laughs) that is what that is for or them you know josh groban doing the classics singing whatever covers of of uh, sinatra songs or something like that or dean martin whatever but we get that this goes on for a bit this is like a 30 seconds of them singing Josh Groban, and this comes back. Um, it's very strange that they pick out Josh Groban, particularly because Josh Groban never appears in the episode. They just yeah, have... it's so strange. They just name drop Josh Groban and then sing Josh Groban songs, and it feels very targeted, like, this is trying to sell. This sounds like... It feels like a commercial. Like, I feel like it doesn't... Like, if it was a typical, like, the kind of celebrity appearance that we like, where it's like, oh, they're poking fun at themselves and there's some jokes attached to them and they they pl- they we do there's something creative about it but this just feels like a commercial for josh groban's music this feels like an advertisement that's i think my my rankling with it yeah it, it feels like a commercial um we get a scene where bart and lisa are shopping for candy at the quickie mart um they debate what lisa wants to get if effectively this is telling us oh lisa wants to get uh juliet a piece of candy it'd be nice to be like hey i want to be friendly i i like hanging out with you I want to make an impression. Uh, and they have arguments about M&Ms and peanut M&Ms. If Lisa's concerned about peanut allergies, are almond joys also allergic to people allergic to almonds the way they are allergic to peanuts? I believe tree nuts in general is one category. Okay. So if you're allergic to peanuts, you could also be allergic to almonds? Uh, I mean, it's not like one is indicated to the other, but some people are allergic to tree nuts, some people are allergic to peanuts, and some people are allergic to both. Okay. If I'm you're just, allergic to peanuts, you're not necessarily allergic to almonds. Right. I I'm just, I mean, it's just, but if you're worried about allergens, like, couldn't you just get, like, two candies just to cover your bases? Whatever. They have an argument here. Um, Lisa finally goes to uh, to meet Juliet at a private school, the private school that Juliet goes to. This is the first, like, we get little hints here and there. Juliet's family is rich. They have money. Um, because this private school also offers no scholarships. <laughs> which immediately dulls uh, like Lisa's joy over this. And these are interesting things, man. I like the idea of this where Lisa's like, Oh, I'm going to be friends, but Oh, she's a little different. Like her family's a little bit different. They're a little richer. 
they're 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 doing better and they can't you know there's obstacles for them to connect and i like it that provides interesting stuff to to work with in a story it never really it never really amounts to anything about the the wealth disparity between the two of them it never there's never a it's no, never that's true. A, it never really comes up it never means anything and i feel like there's a that's again a lot of there's a lot of missed opportunities here i think this episode could be good um this is an again uh, this is the point where i'll say this episode is based on heavenly creatures a film by peter jackson before he, one of the films he did in the run-up he did this i think then he did frighteners and then he started working on lord of the rings um heavenly creatures is a very dark <laughs> dark haunting film and it's very strange to me like i kept expecting this movie this episode to get darker and they hint at it a couple times but it just never goes there like Emily creatures spoilers for a movie that's nearly 30 years old the girls kill one of the parents of the girls two girls become friends they start imagining a, a world together and then they kill one of the kids parents because he's an obstacle or she's an obstacle mom i think i forget who it is the mom or dad whatever but it you know, if it followed that ritual, that that same pattern, Juliet would try and get Lisa to try and kill what her dad, effectively. And I thought that's what was going to happen at some point, Matt. I thought we're going to build to. I'm happy that didn't happen. I mean, I don't think it should. I don't think they should have killed her dad. I think they should have maybe broached the subject, and that's when Lisa maybe backs off or something. But there's no tension in this. This is like like this is like this episode's like sitting in a float tank. There's never any yeah. threat. There's no conflicts, really. It's all very peaceful. There's really no consequences at the end. It's just that, hey, no. these girls are doing something that puts them outside of society, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, they're just like, hey, can we get some sort of... Like, the bullies, I guess, provide a little bit, but not really. Um, but uh, Julie, Lisa meets Julie at this private school, and then they go to a folk art museum uh, with a parody of Wipeout called... With folk called literally, they just scream. Someone's they scream folk art, and then um, and we get a montage of them at a folk art museum. No jokes here, <laughs> not a single joke. No jokes at all. Not a single joke around the folk art museum. <laughs> there's, okay. there's no jokes. It's like 30 seconds of them in this museum. Not a joke in sight. Um, uh, this is where we get Juliet going over to the Simpsons' house for dinner. Um, this is where we learn a little bit more about Juliet, uh, a little bit more about um, her family, and this is when we see them start coming up with this imaginary queendom. Um, and this is just, they don't ever, it's really strange to me, Matt, they don't really specify what this is, ever. Like, they don't lay out. Like, at the very beginning of this, you would think they'd be like, where Lisa and, and Juliet would be like, they'd start writing something. And then they would spell out, we are creating a fictional world. They are world building, effectively. Mm -hmm. And you think they would have a scene where they spell this out, just to lay, let the audience know what's happening. But they really don't. They just sort of start doing it. And we're like, well, wait a minute. What is this? Can we, do we not get a... And they kind of just jump into the deep end. I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is also, but this is this is effectively when Lisa and Juliet become best friends. Juliet's father is the world's foremost John Grisham scholar. He found several undiscovered plot twists in the client, and he proved that the real villain in A Time to Kill is the legal system itself. Told you, Marge. Told you. <laughs> now we need a name for our imaginary kingdom. 
I mean, queendom. How about equalia? Equalia. Where everyone is equal, but we're in charge. I mean, somebody has to be, right? Okay, you two. Lights out. Lisa, do you want to be best friends? Gosh, this is all happening so fast. I don't know what to say. Say yes, say yes. I'd love to. Woohoo! Good night, Lisa. I have a best friend. You heard me say that, didn't you? I did. We're still cool, all right? We are. My best friend is so cool. I will point out that I did kind of like Marge's little wahoo. That was very cute. I think that, like, there's cute moments in this, Matt. I think that that's the thing. Like, there are some charming things in this, some cute things in this. But it never leads, it doesn't lead to anything. <laughs> it doesn't get anywhere. Um, and, like, the Marge stuff in this is, like, tangential. Like, it feels like there should, there would be a subplot here where Marge is, like, trying to live out stuff through her daughter. And they kind of get there, but then they kind of don't. It's weird. Um, we get a commercial. Seven minutes and 26 seconds. And when we come back, uh, we see Homer and Lisa trying to coach uh, Homer and Marge trying to coach Lisa on her friendship. Uh, Marge gives some decent advice uh, for the whole like if the dog bites you, you know, don't say anything. Uh, bad advice, Marge. Always say something if the dog bites you, uh, which Homer then repeats because he wasn't listening to Marge. So we get a nice joke about Homer not listening to Marge and no actual like, you know, good advice uh, besides, you know, just trying to be friendly. So sure. Uh, we then get Lisa and Juliet working more on their story. Uh, we see them at the mall cutting out little uh, dolls uh, to play with. Uh, and then we get a cut-aside joke of Nelson making fun of them and then playing with dolls. Because I guess they're trying to show the hypocrisy of boys playing with uh, okay, action okay. figures instead it, of dolls. It, well, it's, also, like, it's Darth Vader without a head. And then it's Malibu Stacy with no arms covered in duct tape. Mm-hmm. So there's also, like, a lazy poverty joke in there. So that's good. There is, yes, yes. So much fun. Uh-huh. Uh, meanwhile, uh, after this, uh, this one not meanwhile, after this, uh, the family goes to Juliet's house for dinner. Um, and this is the part that infuriated me the, the most. Is just <laughs> them trying to stuff the stupidest jokes into Homer. I just, it is, he says some of the absolute dumbest things. And, and they're, I guess they're trying to hope that you laugh. Hey, Matt, will you show me where the bathroom is so I can pretend to wash my hands? Uh, if I, uh, can you take a look at the lump on my back? I'm not that kind of doctor. Here's uh, $10. What? Here's, Here's $10. $10. Oh, it's just a, a piece of gum. gum. What, like, what? Yeah, like, the, these are, the, I, like, if we're going to, like, I don't mind, like, it, it worked. This worked on me, I guess. The fact that her dad is this John Grisham scholar, which is the most ridiculous. I know, right? It's like, oh, he's analyzing Shakespeare, but it's John Grisham. It's like, you can, you can still ask the author if you have questions about that. But it's also like, I, I like John Grisham. I think John Grisham is great. He writes, like, really good books I, that are, I, I really admire his work. But it is genre fiction, and it is not deep. It is, like, that's the point of it. The point is, like, hey, here, I'm giving you all the details. You, It's not... It's not not that it's still very good writing and it's very hard to do, but it's it is not complicated. It's not literary. You don't need to analyze it. That's the whole point. That's this guy is a snob and he's a snob over something that he shouldn't be really be a snob over. And for some reason, that gets him paid lots of money. Like it works all like, he, yeah, it works like it makes sense. It really contrasts yep. him and Homer and the Simpsons in general. 
And it gives Lisa another reason to think, oh, this family seems more like a family I would want to be in. Those are all interesting things. It doesn't, and they're just the, kind of ruined by. Yeah, all of being nothing there. happens. Like, what are we gonna? No, okay. Indeed. So uh, we get uh, Julia gets angry at her dad when he puts on the soundtrack to a John Grisham movie, Pelican Brief. Okay. Matt. Pelican Brief. Come on, the Pelican Brief. Yes, track Jul- three. Julia Roberts. Uh, indeed. Uh, Juliet runs away, and Lisa goes to follow her, and they talk about equality and how much they'd rather be there. Juliet, are you okay? I am now. Don't you see them? See who? Our friends, the lords and ladies of Aqualia. Juliet, you're scaring me just a little. Helvetica and Valedictoria. We're so glad you're finally here. I'm a giraffopus. I'm uncomfortable in water and on land. <gasps> a unicorn! Toss me a treat. I didn't know I could do that. And now hit shuffle on the royal mypod. Uh, I, I spared you guys uh, the Josh Groban uh, because that plays because of course it does. I Matt, can I say it? I think every time now mm-hmm. in my life for the rest of my life, every time I hear the word uh-huh. my, every time I hear the word my pod, I'm gonna like cringe. I'm just gonna go. Ugh. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair because it's, it's it is dumb. Okay, I want to point this out. You haven't seen Heavenly Creatures, correct? I have not. No. Okay, okay. that might be our bonus episode this month. Uh, it's a good movie. Um, but again, this is where we see Julia get angry at her dad because he isn't do, letting her, you know, letting her basically sing Josh Groban songs with Lisa, letting her kind of in, not indulging her. And it, it feels like, oh, that is a purposeful point of, oh, well, Juliet's a little spoiled, maybe. Or maybe she's a little bit, a little coddled. Or you don't know. It feels like, oh, there's that's a little interesting note there. And maybe, you know, maybe Juliet's dad's a little, little stuffy and annoying and he wants to yeah. listen to his music, his music, just the soundtrack of a movie. And so and, and Juliet takes Lisa out to this the, the field, out to their yard somewhere. And, and you know, she and Lisa, we even have Lisa say, you're you're scaring me a little bit. And and then Juliet brings Lisa into this vision of this world they're creating. And they get this kind of joyous moment out of it where, oh, they're singing Josh Groban songs, songs they like, and this this imaginary world. And I'm like, oh, they are going to do the Heavenly Creatures thing, except it's going to be a little bit more tamped down. It's obviously they're not going to have murder, but maybe there is going to be that moment of like, oh, Lisa is getting pulled into this this girl's by this girl's charisma and her influence and the fact that she's providing Lisa with a best friend, all that stuff. And then Lisa gets pulled a little too close and, and, and Juliet asks her to do something she's not, not comfortable doing something dangerous. I mean, it's not murder, but it could be a lot of things. Maybe it could be like, Oh, we're going to steal the debt. My dad's car. We're going to wreck it to pay him back. Blah, 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 blah. There could be a million things. Um, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. That, that's, that's, there's, that's even like, but this is like not. It's really they don't go. They don't. They don't do the next thing. 
There's no next. Yeah, they don't go anywhere with it. It's there's just, this, there's this no next get. step. They just get here and stop. Come on, guys. Come on. You're almost there. No. No. What is next, man? Next, we have a nice scene uh, where Lisa and Juliet are working on their world. And Marge comes along and tries to be a part of it. Uh, Lisa, however, is rude to her and kind of brushes her off. Uh, which goes to show how, how far Lisa is getting into this and how she's being outside of her own normal character. Uh, we then cut from this to Skinner uh, talking to Homer and Marge about Lisa's behavior. Uh, of course, we have Homer here to be stupid about it because he keeps uh, pretending like Skinner is talking about Bart. So let's just ignore him. Oh, my uh, God. It's Marge, so bad. It's so bad, man. It's, so, it's not funny at all. It's funny the first time. I mean... It's not funny, but it's like, oh, I get it. They're, they're, they're trying to be incongruous here, and it's just not funny. And then they keep doing it. It's awful. Uh, we also get a mention of Facebook, because I think this is right around the point when everyone was allowed to use Facebook. It was no longer switched to college students. So Skinner is on Facebook and does the creepy thing of mentioning seeing their vacation photos. But eventually we get around to the whole part of, oh, it would be better if Lisa didn't see Julia anymore. And Marge tells her this. Uh, and then Lisa, of course, tries to sneak out. Uh, this is actually one of the bits I kind of smiled at uh, when Lisa tries to sneak out uh, and down the tree outside of her window. Uh, she f- jumps out of the tree only to fall into a basket of laundry. And Marge goes, Bart Simpson, age three, to indicate that, oh, you know, Marge has been dealing with Bart sneaking out for years and years. And he is at a level that Lisa has a long way to catch up with. Um and that was one of the cute gags. There's also Bart then comes out of the tree in a ninja garb and he goes, Bart Simpson, age 10, and wanders off. But that, that part's not actually funny. Um, but thankfully, this is where we end act two. Go to commercial. This is another thing where I go, what? There's this weird, like, it's a very strange scene to me, Matt, where they take up time having Skinner tell Marge and Homer, oh, Lisa's not paying attention in class anymore. And it's because of Juliet. And I'm like, why don't we just have a scene where that happens? <laughs> why, do, why do we have Skinner telling someone? It, like, it's like a very boring thing because it's just Marge and Homer in, in Skinner's office. They're all sitting at a desk. This is f- boring. This is flat. It's there's no like I there's ostensibly the Homer stuff is supposed to be funny. It is not. Why don't we have a scene where Lisa's sitting in her in the classroom, and Miss Hoover is teaching a something on the she has something up on the board, and she's lecturing. And suddenly she goes and she's calling on students, and different ones are answering. And then she calls on Lisa, but Lisa is in this fantasy world. Lisa's in Equalia, and Hoover drags her out of it, and we see that Lisa has been distracted. That Lisa is thinking about Equalia and about Juliet. And not about classwork anymore. And you could then we see Hoover be disappointed. Then you see Hoover have a pick up a phone and we have a, a, a call with Skinner or with Miss Hoover just talking directly to March. Like that scene's much more dynamic. It's much more interesting. And it shows us that there's no we don't need someone just literally Skinner just giving us just like flat descriptions of Lisa is now being distracted. You're like, well, just show us her being distracted. You can do that. It's this is it's this is literally this is this, this is stuff that drives me crazy, man. This is animation. You literally can do anything you can think of. <laughs> There's you're not restricted by oh we didn't have access to the right sets. We didn't have access to the right actors on the right days. You you can just make anything. 
You can make anything work. Anything you want. People can record lines separately. It's not as good, but you can do it. Yeah. It's like, I Okay. So we come back from Marshall with 13 minutes and 41 seconds. Um, and we just cut immediately. Juliet and Lisa running away together because uh, Lisa is leaving the school. We've shown that Lisa can't escape from house. So now Juliet is there to, I guess, spring Lisa. It's kind of weird what's going on. I don't like because we just show them riding away on bicycles. But does at least it take the bus to school? Don't think too much about I it. I mean, it, it's changed based on the needs of the episode. Sometimes it's uh, the bicycle. Sometimes it's bus. It's, it's a lot of different things. Okay. Um. But if, uh, we we get a we get them running away together. Uh, we get a weird scene with Willie standing near them and remembering coming to America for the first time. Oh, it's so weird. Why? <laughs> it's just it's. Uh, it doesn't connect to anything else in this episode. I guess we get we do see Willie one other time earlier on when they're singing Josh Groban, but it just shows Willie coming to like, I guess it's supposed to be like Ellis Island or something, I think so, yeah. something like that. And then she, he says he's a doctor, and they just tell him, "No, now your name is Groundskeeper Willie," and that's it. That's it. that's what we get from yeah. Flashback. It's from Doctor William McDougall to Groundskeeper Willie. Like, it, oh, you're just trying to um, lampshade the fact that you had a stereotype character. Good job. I but I guess. I don't know what it, I, I don't, I, I, inexplicable, Matt. I don't know what this is. Um, but we get Juliet and Lisa running away together. Juliet, what are you doing here? I'm running away and you're coming with me. I'd love to. Oh, but I'm supposed to attend the Model UN this weekend. I'm the delegate from Azerbaijan and I'm threatening a rice tariff. Lisa, I know how important the Model UN's work is, but Equalia needs you. I need you. Okay, best friend. So they ride, just ride their bikes away. They're just on a road going somewhere away. I think basically that Juliet is leading Lisa to this (laughs) abandoned restaurant. A clam restaurant in the middle of nowhere, I guess. Yeah, they've created they've created this place. It is an abandoned clam restaurant that's shaped like a castle. It's a very strange uh, place called Clam a Lot. Which did they, Matt? This is my this is my thought process on this. Okay, mm-hmm. they went okay. Well, they've created this imaginary queendom, so they need a castle. Uh, what's a famous castle? What's a famous kingdom in lore and myth? Well, Camelot is. Of course. What's a pun for Camelot that we can name something? Hmm. Well, if you just add an L. Well, it's Clamelot. It Clamelot. It's an abandoned restaurant in the middle of the forest that has, I guess, failed uh, for some odd reason. Because uh, the plot dictates it, really. Um, they go to the Clamelot. Um, Lisa is supposed to be at the Model UN. This is, And so there is nothing amiss because Lisa is not supposed to be missing. And I would say, oh, this is a way for us to get extended period of Lisa away from the family where she can be isolated and, you know, she can maybe get creeped out a little bit by Juliet. Juliet's being more obsessive, more controlling. Um, But no, (laughs) Martin just calls Marge, (laughs) which has Matt, this is a real question. Has Martin Uh and Marge ever talked in the history of the show? I don't believe so, but I can at least forgive this because I feel like this is 
uh, Martin calling the house phone and like, hey, we're looking for Lisa. Where is she? Because obviously Lisa doesn't have a cell phone, I would hope. And Marge just happens to answer the phone. Not in this episode. No. She doesn't have one in this one. Um, I don't mind the fact. I'm not saying that it's bad that Martin calls the house phone and Marge answers. They've, I'm just pointing out the novelty of it. They've literally never talked. I don't think ever <laughs> in the show. Maybe when Martin's been at the, there, the episode, a couple episodes where Martin's been as hung out with Bart. So maybe there's a chance that I've forgotten that. There's a there's a bit with Marge talking to him, maybe. Uh, I don't think so though. Um, but this basically says, well, if Lisa's not in the model yet, where is she? Oh, Marge puts Marge puts two and two together and says, oh, she's run away because she tried to do it before, and this makes sense. I don't have a problem with this at all. Um, this is actually Marge being smart, like Marge putting, you know, not this is not them chasing a bird across continents. Which is what they do in Lost Horizon. Mm-hmm. The, the the like they the, not everyone in, not everyone has the case of the stupids. Like they no one's carrying the idiot football here. So I don't mind this. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is building to something really interesting because we're gonna have the Marge and the family looking for Lisa and Lisa in kind of in this weird tenuous place with Juliet, provided Juliet follows what I think is going to happen, what it, what I think the show has prepped us to happen. It doesn't though. Uh, Marge says, Oh, I know where they're going. If Bart says offhandedly, Oh, they're probably going to some castle because of the, the thing of him witnessing them doing their world building and all that stuff. Okay. Again, not a case of the stupids. This is perfectly fine. And then, and they even met they, this is, I, I they're, again, they're so close. I was so like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be because we get Marge saying, oh, I know exactly where they are. And uh, we cut to Lisa Juliet at Clamalot. And it's and they they build up this tension like, oh, no, someone's here. Oh, and Lisa goes, oh, it's my family. They've come. They've come to see me or something. And then we get a swerve because Marge thought they were at the mini golf castle, not at Clamalot. Mm hmm. That's nice. I like that. That's a little bit of subterfuge, and it's not dishonest. It's not a dishonest thing for the show to do, because Marge and it all and it does have that. Like, oh, it seems like this is a little too easy. Oh no, actually, they had a wrong. They thought the mini golf castle was the castle that they were at. They're not. But this is where this this episode goes really weird, um, and goes very uh, goes away from what it seems to be building to, where the bullies show up. Jimbo, Dolph, Kearney show up at what they call their like hideout. They're using yeah, it's really strange. It's like an outside threat when the threat should be coming from Juliet. If the episode intends to make sense, because otherwise Juliet's character just really falls flat and doesn't seem to have a point. Yeah, like they're building Juliet, especially like that. I was like, I really thought like that scene earlier where Lisa's like, I'm a little bit scared. I thought that was gonna, that was like, you know, oh, Juliet's gonna be a little bit scary later on. They're gonna build on that. And I'm like. Okay, but instead, bullies show up. Uh, the bullies tie the girls up, and we go to our final commercial at 17 minutes and 18 seconds. And when we come back for our first Act 4, uh, the girls are in cages. Lobster cages, to be specific, I guess, because it's a clam restaurant. Uh, but this leads to a very interesting uh, turn of plot uh, involving Kearney. 
All these pictures of seafood are making me hungry. We'll get some cream for the peaches while you guard the prisoners. Don't screw it up, butt brain. At least my dad didn't smoke after his stroke. Juliet, I'm scared. Shut your eyes and you'll be in Aqualia. Aqualia is not real. Maybe not, but it's better than this. So the armies of the gnomes and the elves faced off on either side of the hollow, broad axis poised. With a fearsome cry, they raced towards the center of the battlefield, banners a flutter in the breeze. What comes next? A battle to determine the fate of Equalia, but you wouldn't be interested. I have a wide variety of interests. Is there them dragon things? Isn't that a little cliched? Yes, I mean, yes, there are dragons everywhere. Green ones, Chinese ones, chubby, bald ones. I like those ones. Tell me about those. So here we get uh, what is supposed to be, I guess, the turn of the episode in which Kearney lets the girls out of the cages and they begin to continue their stories of Equalia with him enraptured. Which, okay, that's fine, but it just seems like a weird way to, to take the story. It's like, oh, they're saying that, oh, this, this whole thing with Equalia has been good because it gets them out of uh, a pickle they're in, a bind. But it is l- literally where Lisa... They're building toward, oh, Lisa's relationship with Juliet is unhealthy because Juliet is driving Lisa into this fantasy world away from the real world to the detriment of Lisa's health in, you know, both, you know, mental and and social, whatever, emotional. And then they literally have the plot do the opposite, where the storytelling of Equalia saves the day. Where they effectively like, bra- if this they brainwashed made more sense, yeah, it, if this made more sense. You would have Juliet, uh, you know, escaping into Equalia, and then Lisa has to save them by being present in the real world. And then, obviously, I don't know if I would call it a threat at that point, but it would be uh, basically uh, Lisa again, you know, saving the day, and Juliet, you know, escaping into a fantasy that's not helpful. And oh, then we can see. Oh, the message of this is it's wonderful to have, you know, uh, an imaginary land to escape into sometimes in design. It's good world building skills, but it's not going to help you in the real world. But it does. So what's the message here? Yeah, that's and that and that is not a bad alternative for like a very PG version of the Heavenly Creature story. It's where it's like, oh, well, uh, it is Juliet basically saying. Oh, I'm just gonna. I, 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 the world, the real world is too much. I'm gonna retreat into this fantasy world, and okay, but you're in the middle of an incredible, you know, a tenuous, dangerous situation. Maybe we should be focusing on, you know, these bullies, not trying to tell some story. But instead, it has them save the day. Very thematically awkward, uh, and it gets weirder from there, even with the fight scene. It is, because now it gets really weird, uh, because uh, Dolph and Jimbo show back up. Uh, they see the notebook full of stories and start to burn it. But Kearney, uh, who was enjoying uh, the stories the girls were telling, sees himself as the dragon and gets in a fight uh, with Dolph and Jimbo, uh, which in his fantasy world where he's a dragon and uh, Dolph and Jimbo are, I guess, gremlins, uh, trolls, something along those lines. Goblins. Uh, Kearney orcs. is winning. Goblins. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, he Kearney thinks that he is winning. However, we see when uh, the girls sneak out and back into the real world that Kearney is getting the crap beat out of him. 
I always say sneak uh, out. Okay, anyway. Matt, this is a this is a tangent. I always assume that Kearney was the best fighter. He's definitely the biggest one. So I feel like Dolph, especially, is no threat to Kearney. But maybe Jimbo because he's tall and has the reach. But I still think Kearney could take the two of them. But he is getting wailed on as the girls sneak out. I, I, that's just my own personal like. It feels like Kearney is, and also Kearney is like Kearney has dad strength, literally. Yeah, I mean, he's a dad, and he's yeah. also was around for the bicentennial, so... Yeah, he should be able to whip these boys. Nothing. Okay. There's more Josh Groban here, too. Just more Josh Groban. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't need this much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this. No one needs this much Josh Groban. No, no, no. Fine, not but, not in my Simpsons. I don't need this much Josh Groban, please. All right. So at this point, the girls sneak out, and basically, that's it. Uh, there's just they sneak out and escape, and then we get them basically uh, splitting up for good. Well, it looks like we're safe. Looks like Juliet. I don't want to go to Equalia anymore. What do you mean? It's a special place, but I need to live in the real world. The real world? The real world is for people who can't imagine anything better. Goodbye, Lisa. Goodbye, Juliet. Cuckoo. That's very rude, Lisa. Um, but yeah, that's basically how the episode ends. Uh, we get a small stinger. Sorry, go ahead, Robbie. I, nah, I just gonna say, I like it's so crazy. Like again, this everything leading up to this, up to Act Four, even like they're just pushing it to the very end. Like you're like, okay, this is all interesting, and then they don't. Do they not know what their own episode is about? That's what it feels like. They don't know what they're they are actually saying because. Why would Lisa suddenly not want to be a part of Aqualia? It saved the day. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like they had a plot where Lisa's quick thinkingness uh, saved them uh, and Juliet, you know, didn't help at all. And then they replaced it with this. So like said, Lisa's reaction makes sense if her being in the moment in the real world saved them. But it didn't. So this is just a weird non-connection. Yeah, and Julia just vanishes. She rides off to nowhere. Wouldn't Lisa go, where are you going? <laughs> are, is is Julia just literally riding away from her family forever? We don't know. There's no goodbye. There's Certainly no. seems that way. There's no, like, we don't get anything. It's just, that's it. But uh, we do get a singer. Uh, two months later, Lisa has submitted her Equalia stories to be published and gotten a rejection letter. Uh, Marge consoles her by saying, hey, you got a letter all the way from New York City. Uh, because Marge grew up in the 60s, uh, and that was a big deal, I guess. And then Homer continues to be incredibly stupid. Uh, yeah, he's terrible, Matt. Homer is every single moment <laughs> he says a word, it's terrible. I will say that, uh, you know, if you're mailing in a manuscript uh, to get published at, in a query letter and all that stuff, um, which I'm currently working on at the moment, Getting actually receiving a rejection is something, you know, a lot of places will literally just not say a word. And if you don't get it, if you don't get a response, that's them saying no. So if Lisa was, I mean, maybe it's just this publishing house was very nice or this agent or I don't really, I'm presuming that someone on the writing staff of the Simpsons has tried to query a novel. That's just my assumption. Um, which is a awful, painful, terrible process that should not exist, but yet is the it is it is the core of the publishing world. That and nepotism. Hey. And we got Fallout Boy. 
Then we get Fall Out Boy over the closing credits. So, sure, I guess. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. It doesn't sound... It's not that different than the Green, ba- Green Day cover of the of the theme song, to be fair. Which... It is not. Uh, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, it's almost like Fall Out Boy stole everything. Um from green day i mean i do get like obviously fallout plays reference to the simpsons so they wanted that's really probably just like oh we'll throw you a bone buddy hey hey guys fallout boy we know we see you why don't they get evergreen terrace man that's my question do you know evergreen what now evergreen terrace the band are you not familiar with evergreen terrace can't say that what kind of music do they play (laughs) uh hardcore and post-hardcore a lot of yelling uh, very angry, kind of. Well, no- I'm sure they'll noisy. find a way to fit that into an episode at some point. Very noisy. I, I, I don't think they will. <laughs> I'm not even sure if Evergreen Terrace is still around. They were around back when I was a young, a young hardcore fan. Um, now I'm an old hardcore fan where I don't go to shows and listen to music at reasonable levels. Um, this episode had potential. That's what I say, Matt. It did, but then they kind of went off in a weird direction with it. it. Yeah, it, it. Like I hear the. Here's the thing where. You have this plot that largely does make sense. Okay. There's an ending to this episode, mostly. Like, that's what I think. Like, it mostly connects the dots. It mostly tells the story. There are no jokes. <laughs> in the, No jokes in it, really. I think there's attempts. I Like, it feels very much like, I don't know. That is an honest question, man. If you had a choice between a zany story that is not coherent, but has a few jokes. You laugh like twice, three times maybe versus an episode like this where it mostly is coherent, but it has no jokes. It is very dull. Which are you choosing? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have a story over jokes because I mean, some of the modern day Simpsons episodes, the ones that are coming out right now don't have a whole lot of jokes in them, but they're really good. Like the episode of with Homer and Marge stuck in the woods uh, that came out in this past season of new episodes. It was really good. There weren't a whole lot of jokes. Like there were a few, but for the most part, they weren't. But it was a really good episode, and I liked that a lot more. Yeah, and I think if I had to choose between those two options, I would I, I would side with that. I would side with the latter of like I would like the plot that makes sense, even if it's dull, even if there's no jokes. Um, and that's probably that's a matter of personal taste, honestly. Uh, which which camp you end up in, but. This is not quite a not. It doesn't quite really tie together. It seems it really feels again. It feels like we need a Juliet heel turn, and we never get it. Uh, Juliet isn't a threat, but Lisa treats her like one. That's it. it's just a very strange thing. At the end, of, they 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 zig and says zag. It doesn't. I don't understand it. Um, I'll say this, Matt. It's way be- It's better than last week. It's way better than two weeks ago. Um, the bar is just so low where I'm just like, oh, it makes sense mostly. Uh, like, it feels like it's a part of our world. Like, the things happening, there's like, Homer's not blowing up bridges. There aren't talking, true. there's no talking bees. I, <laughs> that's a measure of like, I will take the dullness if that means I get less cartoon nonsense of talking bees and literal acts of terrorism and murder and sociopathy by Homer. Like, Homer's annoying in this, but he's not a murderer, which is what we get, like, basically two two episodes ago. And at last week, Burns murdered a man in the middle of an episode. No kill. There's no killings. Uh, no in this. one cared. There's no one cared. This, there's no killings episode. Uh, we'll rank this episode at the end of the show. Robbie, is this episode broken? No. Pretty cool. I, I would agree with you. I don't think it's broken. I think it's just a few things where it's like, mm. it's flawed. It's, it has a problem. It's not broken. 
it makes like it's not a good story but it makes sense and i i'm pretty solidly it's not broken i would improve it i could improve it we'd already mentioned all those things but it's not broken um which is i we don't i don't you know matt when we don't have to i think i've said this before we don't have to play that clip the quick fix clip i'm kind of happy about it it makes me for it makes me feel a little bit nicer i don't have to talk about how to fix the episode. <laughs> uh with that we can move on to our next thing it's time for comments in the news group okay here we are alt.nerd.obsessive um, comments from Newsgroup is where I ask our patrons to leave their thoughts, their reviews on an episode, and I read them out loud on the air. First from Derek. Oh dear, this one. I've always been, well, not exactly a Scully apologist, but I do enjoy those seasons as well as seasons 13, 15 for what they are. When we get to this point, oh god, hook the jockey elves and the screaming player to my veins, and Seth just subjected me to this rubbish. I think we no, know. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, no, no screaming pillars to my veins. Good lord, no. See, this is what I'm talking about, Matt. There's the, the two camps. Um, the Simpsons at this point is a show that has no idea what it what it is or who it's for. Simpsons feels like what the average person who has ever se- never seen an episode thinks of the show. That's just a dumb, dark, dumb cartoon for kids. Okay, Derek. I typically don't try and interject too much during these, but dumb cartoon for kids. You just mentioned the Screaming Pillar. What are we? Jockey elves? This is so babyish and juvenile. About two years ago, I had a part-time job at a supermarket. And before my shift, I was in the staff room and no one was talking. And this episode was on the TV. I was so embarrassed. Like, I just wanted to run away. Even though no one, no one knew I was a Simpsons fan. So ashamed. Imagine that. A show that has produced some of the best ever television has been reduced to something that makes me cringe at the thought of someone knowing I watch it. Basically, I don't like this one if that wasn't clear. Um, I'm more impressed that they have the Simpsons on at all in the break room. Because typically... It would just if I if everywhere I've worked, if there had been television, it would just be on ESPN. I mean, to be fair, I've worked in a lot of places. Uh, well, since my, my job now involves sports, they're almost all on ESPN. Before that, uh, there were a lot of places that ha- would have some kind of news on uh, these days. It's just it's almost always Fox News. But still, I go to air, right. I go to airport. It's, it's CNN. US thing. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, that might that's also a good point. Matt. It might be just a U.S. thing because us Americans are b- brain diseased. We have problems Tim, from Tim. I think it's pretty clear. This is easily the best season 20 has to offer so far. I do like that. Emily Blunt's family is somewhat taken down by their love of the firm and her character is well. Interesting. I can't be the only one pining for a Dr. Williams spinoff. Can I? <laughs> Willie is. We just got a new. That's one of the, the next Simpsons. It'd be amazing. Actually. Dr. <laughs> Willie is a doctor. I'll say this barely qualifies as canon, partly due to the fact that it's the last pre HD episode, partly because it's kind of weird. Number 252. Uh, from Casey, if I haven't made my gratitude towards both Robbie and Matt for providing additional context for episodes abundantly clear, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was a young teenage girl when this episode first aired, and I always had a sneaky suspicion that I was missing something. Lo and behold, it was based off a movie I'd never ever, I'd never even heard of. As a lifelong artist who fancies herself a Jill of all trades, I love seeing Lisa bonding with another girl, able to express herself so artistically. I think the plot progression was fairly smooth, and even with all the fairytale imagery, still a fairly grounded episode. Going to the end does get a bit cheesy, but I'll take those brief moments of cringe for the beautiful visuals like the bike ride road transformation Juliet's backyard best way to describe this one is cotton candy sweet and then it's over with a little lasting impact also for dog bites you don't make a deal big deal out of it I I you should if a dog bites you you should make a big deal out of it dogs should not bite people ever that's a, like I don't know I feel like now that I am a dog owner man I feel like I'm allowed to have an opinion about it uh-huh control your dog man anyone out there control your dog your dog bites people. Maybe do something about it. You know, train it. Go take training. Get training for it, or put it, lock it away when people are over. You know, put it outside. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's unfair to ask. Nope. It's a safety issue. Yeah, 
especially if you're a big dog. Um, from JJ. This was different from a lot of episodes of this era, but I'm not sure if that makes it good. It was an odd choice to base at least a story off of Heavenly Creatures, a very dark movie based on a true story, which you've seen gives the episode a slightly disturbing undertone. I am with you there, JJ. Even though there is only one plot, it handles its time better than most episodes of the season. Juliet still felt underdeveloped, especially regarding her relationship with her family. And then she just cycles away into the night with no resolution. Where is she going? This girl needs psychiatric help. Does Lisa not care anymore? What happened to her? Lisa's episode was interesting, felt like some effort was put into it, and the family all acted in character, even Homer. Still very weird yeah that's largely how i feel about it it's just it, it, it one more pass it feels like they could just throw another pass at this actually this episode needed two more passes one to fix the weird thematic stuff at the end and then add jokes throw jokes in there that are funny like folk the folk art museum montage should have had like three jokes that you could have like and you can't if you can't think of anything send them somewhere else you can you literally decide where they go they could go anywhere you guys have the power to do this. I don't know if you realize that. Yeah, you can just send them. And oh, you don't have any jokes for a folk art museum? Well, they go somewhere else. They go to a concert. Maybe have Fall Out Boy play. Then you have some funny meta joke about Fall Out Boy, and they're like, "Where'd you get that name?" Oh, from the comic books. <laughs> hey, I just wrote a joke, Matt. It made you laugh. See, look at this. It's See? way better than anything in here. <laughs> look at that. Um, that's it for our. Uh, comments from the news group this week thank you all for watching the episode and leaving a review you can join a patreon do the same i put out a call every single week um just watch an episode leave your thoughts make a paragraph or so and i'll read it we can move on to our next segment it's time for listener question of the week let's try one more number <gasps> yellow kbbl is gonna give me something stupid well hot dog we have a wiener yellow our listener question of the week this week is, well, who is your least favorite guest star? Uh, there's a couple front orders this week, Matt. Not neither that surprising, honestly. Uh, please take it away. Mm. Okay. Uh, all right, here we go. First up from Andy. It's a tie between Kid Rock, Kill the Alligator and Run, and Rupert Murdoch in Sunday, Freddy Sunday. Both just, uh, Wow. Good start, Andy. Good start. Uh, from Benjamin, Jeff Bezos. Yuck. I mean, to be fair, at the time, Jeff Bezos wasn't the all-encompassing monster he would soon become. <laughs> uh, from Matt, there are so many terrible guest stars that it hurt my brain to think of one specific star. Off the top of my head, I'm going with all of the guests in Homer and Ned's Hailberry Pass. I understand the guests were all sports-related and could not act, but I truly felt embarrassed for them. I prefer when a guest is portraying a made-up character. Ooh, boy, is that true. Uh, from Derek, it's a toss-up between Sasha Baron Cohen and Ricky Gervais. I'll go with Gervais because he first appeared pre-HD era, which I don't even acknowledge as The Simpsons. I absolutely adore Gervais' show Extras, but he just is not compatible with American animated comedies. He has a similar guest role in Season 10 Family Guy episode, and the episode is almost as obnoxious as Homer Simpson, This Is Your Wife. Gervais doesn't fit at all and grinds every scene he's in to a ha halt, everything feeling so stilted and awkward in a way totally different to the brilliant awkward humor of The Office and Extras. Oh God, no. No, no, no. Keep Ricky Gervais out of television forever. I'm going to keep doing stand up, but he's not allowed on TV. I'm going to hear Matt. I'm sorry, Derek. If I, I don't know how you feel about Gervais uh, in general. And if you like those shows or whatever, um, Ricky Gervais is a, a, a dirt bag. He's a jerk. I don't like him. Uh, he's a moron who thinks he can just be offensive t for no reason because he's a stand up comedian. And there's a way there's a lot of comedians out in the world. Ricky Gervais, you're not special. You're just uh, a loud white guy. Basically, also awkward humor is not funny. It's in fact, in fact uh, terrible. Hit or miss. 
The British version of The Office is one of the most horrible things masquerading as comedy on television. I'm at. I'm at. Do you want to talk? Do we really want? Do we want to have an office? I like. Feel like the British office is more pure. Feel like the the American office is like, oh, we are going to soften everything because we want to be nice and sweet to America. Well, yeah, because they wanted to have actual story and character development, whereas the British office is, let's just be as offensive as possible. I mean, what, is uh, it like? what are real bosses like? Oh, yes, that's right. That's why they're not on television. Eh, it's also, I mean, to be fair, British television series are like, what, three episodes long? And then they, <laughs> and then they, they never... <laughs> They don't have to carry, they don't have to carry, you know, they don't do 12 seasons of 20 plus episodes each. They just do like four episodes. That's a show. That's it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, next up from JJ, it's an obvious answer, but I have to go with Lady Gaga. It's not her fault at all. And there's nothing wrong with her performance. It's what the writers did with her. That episode is just a 20 minute advertisement for Lady Gaga. And it symbolizes the show's decade long transition from its subversive anti-establishment culture critiquing roots to conforming celebrity worshiping corporate brands. You are not wrong there, JJ. Preach. Yeah. From Casey, every single artist that appeared in the teen seasons and beyond to cover their own song to fit the niche needs of the episode. Baha Men singing Who Wants a Haircut, Sir Mix-a-Lot singing Baby Likes Fat. They're always the unfunniest part of the episode. Oh, man. Casey, I hadn't even thought of that. You're so right. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, From Tim. So I'm trying to think of what was going through the writers' heads in 1999. You know, what we want is a guest voice who, for the time being, degrades women at, at all times. But perhaps in 15 to 20 years, we'll move on to undermining democracy. We just have to get Kid Rock to be on the show. Maybe we'll actually get to meet him. Oh. Anyway, uh, from at Board ATX, Kid Rock, enough said. Uh, from at Simpson Streets, Martin Sheen. Not that his performance wasn't good. We all want to erase that episode. For real, though, Lady Gaga. Sorry, it was just too much. Shout out to Katy Perry with that cringe Burns joke and Kid Rock Wolf. Uh, I'm sorry, what was the Martin Sheen episode? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Principal and the Popper. Armin oh, Tim, okay. Timzerian, mm-hmm. the real Skinner. Which, yeah, uh, I'm, no. I mean... Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not... Mm. We, that's not nearly as bad as the rest of the ones. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, if we did... Principal, like, at the time, I think we were fairly... We're like, oh, this is... If again, Principal Popper, if it was just in the context of a normal season of The Simpsons, it wasn't right at the end of The Simpsons being great. People would not care as much about it. It would just be another weird episode that, like the Springfield Files, you know, like oh, it doesn't make any sense and it's not really canon, but it's entertaining. If it would be like that, but because it's right at the tail end of it being great, people are like, oh, this it's jump the shark and it doesn't they mess with the canon. I'm like. We if we did it today, Matt. Like if next week we just redid Principal Popper, both of us would be like, "This is incredible. We would love it because it has character and meaning and jokes. <laughs> it's not just yeah. nonsense at you for twenty minutes." Um, I mean, we talked about that in that episode we did, we did. five years ago or something. All right, next up from at Jaden Lebron. Elon Musk, his acting is shoddy and monotone, and I might have preferred a one-line cameo over having an episode centered around him, especially given how the episode has aged. Oh, boy. That's not the truth. Uh, here. Screw Elon Musk. Yes. I'm not going to even be... I, I, was, I was relatively nice to Ricky Gervais comparatively. Screw Elon Musk. <laughs> Next up from Yes, It's Aaron. I considered both Michael Rapoport and Ricky Gervais, but I have to go with Sasha Baron Cohen as the annoying tour guide in season 21's Israel episode, Just the Absolute Worst. See, yes, it's terrible, but that's kind of Sasha Baron Cohen's whole thing. And I feel like at least he was relatively well represented in The Simpsons. Uh, And they just picked a terrible person to guest star. I, okay. 
that's not that's not fair to Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, he plays characters that are typically loud and outlandish, but he yeah, himself so is, like, is not a he himself he, is a fine person. Yes, he is. He's relatively reserved and intelligent man. Um, well, yes, and and that's what I'm saying is the writers wrote a character for him that is like all the other characters. That he I mean, again, I, I I think it's fair. His character is annoying. I don't think again. I don't think Aaron is either is also blaming Sasha Baron Cohen. No. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, from uh, at Joker Pants 24. Lady Gaga. That was the worst episode ever. Uh, from at Hippie 200. Kid Rock. Oh, man, that episode was so bad. And he was just a completely unnecessary guest star. A bad day at the office for everyone involved. And finally, from Avery. Oh, my God. Just never have Lady Gaga again. Wow. A lot of hate for both Lady Gaga and Kid Rock. Robbie, what is your... Uh, choice i'm gonna we're gonna i'm gonna split this up matt we're gonna go episodes we've covered and episodes we haven't covered okay uh so from episodes we've covered on the podcast kid rock is i mean like it's just it's so easy it's just it's just right there like everyone answered kid rock because it literally is that bad i hate kid rock now more than ever and he wasn't good on the simpsons and the episode's terrible it's like a perfect storm of awful um but i i aaron also mentioned michael rapaport um mike wegman I hate Mike Wegman, that character. In oh, yeah. Mike, and that's in the more recent season, season 31, he debuted. It is, he he's worse than Kid Rock for me. Kid Rock, wow, appear, okay. Kid Rock appears very briefly in Kill the Alligator Run. He doesn't do a lot. Mike Wegman is in like half of that episode. And it is, and it's just the most obnoxious, annoying character. And it made me hate that episode, just his presence alone. So Michael Rappaport, Mike Wegman is the worst. Uh, Matt, what's your answer? So, yeah, I, I, obviously, I would also like to split this up because, quite frankly, I barely remember the Elon Musk episode, and I really hate Elon Musk. So I'm going to go with that one for episodes we haven't seen. Uh, we haven't seen that one, right? No, we haven't watched the Elon Musk episode yet. Okay. I didn't think so, uh, but also Kid Rock because ugh, just ugh, Kid Rock. It <laughs> does make you feel gross. Just think about yeah. it. You're like, Ugh. just thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I feel dirty. I need to go take a shower and shave. Anyway, also, also, that's I'm going to throw this out here, man. This is just, uh, th- I'm going to, you know, if we're piling on Kid Rock, I'm going to do it right now. This is my platform. I'm following Kid Rock um, for forever. Ru- like, not ruining. It's that Werewolves of London is still a great song, but for sampling it and making many, many people think that he created that riff, Ugh. he did not. Warren Zevon did. Werewolves of London. It's a great song. Another reason to hate Kid Rock. Another reason. Like, you need more of them, but he just pauses and just get gay. Just give me more reasons. I like Josh Groban a lot more than I like Kid Rock. Give him that. Um, next week's question, what is your favorite quote from the bullies? Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. Could be any of them. Could be Dolph, Jimbo, Kearney, or all combined, however you want to do it. I don't care. Give me one of each, even, if you want. That's fine with me. I'll post this question on social media. Uh, on Twitter at Simpsons Show Pod. You can email us at simpsonshowpod at gmail.com. And I post this question on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show, which I've already mentioned is the best deal in podcasting many times. You should go support the show. We'd really appreciate you. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the new Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is from Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard and try and stump the other. Uh, I have a two-point lead. Again, I'm going to be quiet, because if I'm quiet, I will, the lead will stay. Matt, 
I, Matt's like a like a like a wild animal in a nature documentary. You cannot startle him. Uh huh. We have to. Is that how this works? All right. I hope so. so. You're ready for your easy question, Robbie? Sure. All right. Your first easy question: What food stuff gets food stuff gets dumped in the family's backyard that Homer then tries to sell in Lisa's Rival? <laughs> I'm guessing you picked the same episode. I did. <laughs> I mean, oh it's, no! I was so close to picking like a Bart one where Bart gets a friend, but yeah, I was like, this is this is the most oh, you know, sugar. It's sugar, man. It is sugar. Wow! How did you know, Robbie? <laughs> I don't know. It's a mystery how I figured that out. Um, uh, in Lisa's rival, who is Lisa's rival? I believe that is Allison. That is correct. All right, Robbie, your medium question: What is the name of Lisa and her band's song in her dream? Oh God. It's it's always it's all it's all the second bests. Um it's like her like was it Garfunkel? Like I think I've asked you this question, like name all the members of that band. I, I think, You have actually. Yeah, I, 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 I did not get it, but no, I studied this time, so I No, know. I, I think it's uh I know Garfunkel's in there, Simon from Simon and Garfunkel, I think is in there. Um The name of the song, I don't know, but I can guess, knowing the theme of the band. Um it is I'll just go with always second best. Uh, I'm sorry. It is born to runner up. Oh, that's not that close. That's the same idea. You're, you're close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your medium question, Matt. How many pounds of sugar does Homer steal? How many pounds of sugar? Um, I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to go with 812. 500 pounds. 500 even. 500. Okay. I, well, that's, that's a, a rounder number than I was expecting. All right. Your hard question. <laughs> oh, God. What is the name of Ralph's cat? Oh, Mittens. Damn, oh, damn it. I thought you might have missed that. <laughs> I almost asked you that, actually. I'm glad I did it. Ah, jeez. <laughs> I was, was like, that's a, that's a medium question. Maybe, you know, Matt knows Ralph questions. I can't ask Matt any yeah. Ralph questions. It's that's not, true. Not, that'd be an easy question for Matt. Uh, your hard question, Matt. What magazine does Bart read in Lisa's Rival? Oh, I know this. I know this. Okay, okay, okay. Um, he was reading... It's something about like juvenile delinquents or something like that. Give me a sec. Um, juvenile delinquents or bad boys or just something along that line. Need an answer, man. Uh, it is. I, I'm gonna go with Bad Boys Life. I don't believe this. Is that really what it is? I don't believe this. You're, you're, <laughs> I don't like this. Well, Boys Life was a magazine, so I just kind of went with it. Oh, Matt, why you gotta steal joy from me? Oh, I'm so sorry, Robbie. You thought you were getting ahead, but it turns out we tied this week. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Why do you guys steal joy from me? Why can't you just... Hey, Matt, come on. You know, once in a while, you know, maybe you know the answer, and you just don't say it. <laughs> or, or it's funnier this way. Come on. Everyone knows that I'm the lovable face, and you're the bad, ugly, <laughs> mean heel of this podcast. I mean, yes, obviously. You're the bad guy. Come on. I'm the Bret Hart. You're the Shawn Michaels. Sure. Let's, let's go. With our that. six, our six wrestling fans who, who listen to this podcast. And I know you are out there. You're you. That's for you. Okay. No one else knows what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> but you, I mean, Bret Hart was on the Simpsons. The most famous wrestlers appeared on the Simpsons. Till they get John Cena, which. I don't if that know. hasn't happened yet, it's going to they happen. Have, they have not gone John Cena. Yet. I don't think John Cena ever appeared on the Simpsons, but and wow. they're not, I don't think they'll ever get the rock. Not at this point. But unless The Rock, like, The Rock goes, you know what? I want to be on The Simpsons. Then they'd write a whole episode about The Rock. They would. They would. Which, and honestly, uh, it probably wouldn't be that bad. No, I mean, who doesn't like The Rock? 
He's great. Um, that's we're tied this week, which is really unfortunate. It was really a that's man. It's really upsetting. You know what? I got I got a hard question once, and it never it very rare. I very I've yet to get a hard. This is my first hard question. I got this season, okay, and then immediately you just undercut me, you cut out all the joy from my life. I'm still up two points. I'm still up two points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two points. Okay, that's it for trivia. Close that file. Never look at it again. Goodbye. Uh, we can move on to our final segment. So we made every single episode. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show, man. I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compile a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Okay. All right. Arr, 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 I'm a pirate this week. Um, God almighty. There's a lot of, like, season 20 is kind of like a wasteland, isn't it, so far? Not a lot of good stuff yet. What's our what's our highest season twenty episode so far, Matt? You remember season twenty? Uh, I can't remember actually. Is Homer and Lisa exchange crosswords, which is number three forty six? Oh yeah, which is not very good. <laughs> it's way better than that. This episode's way better than that episode. Uh, I would I would put this up. This is probably this is in the two hundreds for sure. Yeah, somewhere. I mean, it's somewhere in the two hundreds. It's not that bad, but it's 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 pretty bad. I mean, it's not good, but it is not abysmal. Um, it is not racist. Um, it is not. <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 exact middle of the two hundreds is a lot of season one episodes. I think those are better. This, this is not as good. I, I think as those, those are better, but not by a lot. Not by a lot. I think they're very like also dull. Uh, this episode certainly looks a lot better. We didn't talk a lot about it, but the animation was good. And the fairy tale stuff that the world they create, they do some good animation, good character design with you know, like, you know, there's a, like a Homer that looks like a troll. It's, that's nice enough. Um, but I think it's, it is better than the, those are season ones are slightly better. Uh, they have uh, honestly more jokes. Um, this just has nothing. Um, all right. This is a, this is a, a test, man. Okay. Of a a Scully years episode, take my wife's sleaze. That is the, the that is the biker episode where Marge is kidnapped by bikers, where Homer and John Goodman biker duel with motorcycles as swords. It's so dumb. That episode has some laughs, though. It does have some laughs. That's true. Homer is almost tolerable in that. And it there, I mean, there's jokes in it. And I think I laugh. I remember laughing at it. There's still jokes I remember from Take My Wife's Sleeve. So, you know, that, that there is that. You know, and the Marge and the biker stuff is kind of cute. You know, Marge, like, taking in the bikers and treating them like they're basically her children. Like, there's some there's some cuteness there um, and some laughs. I'm going to say Take My Wife's Sleeve is better. I'm going to say that, too. I'm actually looking down at the wettest stories ever told. I think this is better than that. Because below that, you've got Marge Gamer and Thank God It's Doomsday, which are not terrible episodes, but they just have weird facts about them that make me not like them nearly as much. And right above that, you got the Blunder Years, which, again, super weird episode, but you know, has a more interesting plot, I think, than this. I think that's a good spot for it, man. I think you nailed it. I think Under the Blunder Years and Above the Wettest Stories Ever Told is probably a good spot for it, where... And it is coherent, and it, there's some there's some charming moments in this, some cute stuff with Marge and Lisa, you know, Lisa finding a friend, and the animation with the the world they create and all that stuff. It just kind of blunders, and there's just no jokes. But I feel like this is a nice nice spot, um, which I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, Matt. 
Those are those are all the these all, uh, all the the number one, two, three, four, five, six episodes directly above it. All Scully year episodes. Yeah, and then sometimes it just happens. Uh, yeah, some of the Scully year episodes are not my favorite, but they do have last. But of course, then there's also we look if you want to go down to the bottom of the list. <laughs> You're going to find a lot of them, too, <laughs> to be perfectly fair. Uh, so that's number new number 264 on the list. That is Lisa, the drama queen. And I also give them here props when it's due. The title is perfect. Like, that is a good, simple title that harkens back to the golden years, where it's just like describes effectively what the episode is about. And it's easy to remember and it makes sense. And it's not some dumb pun that is just inexplicably there. Like here, here has a pun for the title of the episode. Like, but why? Why is there a pun? Why do we need a pun? You know, it's becoming faster just to not pick the. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> uh, what was I doing? Why did? It, okay, what? Okay, I'm, I'm having trouble. Matt. My life. I'm having trouble with my life. Is what this is what happens. Is that I mean, not, are we all at this point? That's not true at all. I'm not having trouble with my life. My life's in. A, I'm. I. You should count your blessings. I believe in that, and I'm. I'm doing much better than most. This is all going to get cut from the final episode. That's perfectly fine. So number number two sixty four. Uh, on a list right below the blunder years, right above the wettest stories ever told. It is a new number seventy four on our post golden years ranking, which is not bad. For season 20, honestly. Last on our list is still Codependence Day. First on our list is Homer's Enemy, which will be there probably forever. I really don't think Homer's Enemy is going to be unseated. Probably. Um, but we'll get to the we'll get to the we'll get to the top fifty again, Matt. The top maybe even top twenty-five. It's possible. It might take a while. Speaking of Take My Wife Sleaze, our next episode, Matt, is Take My Wife, Take My Life, please. Is it a Mo episode? Uh, no, in this episode, Homer finds out the class presidential election he lost in high school was rigged, and he gets the opportunity to find out what his life would have been like if he had become class president. Interesting. Homer uses magical tomato sauce um, with a there it is. with Luigi Risotto to see what his life would have been like if he had won the... Maybe it's good, man. Maybe it's all right. You know? Maybe it's okay. We don't know. Sure, uh, it sure. is ne- no. Next week, it is the it is HD episode, the first HD episode. So... And it's the first. It's a, the first appearance of the new opening sequence. That will be interesting and exciting. Uh, even if I don't know, feel about the idea of magical tomato sauce. Um, we're almost done, Matt. We're almost done, but we have one more thing to do. One more question to answer. That question is: Do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon. The cannon. The cannon. The cannon. The cannon. It stays. It stays. There's really no reason to not. It's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't really add anything, but eh. it's harmless. It doesn't take away anything either. Um, and it like it does have. There is those. There is a thing like, oh yeah, it's the last pre HD episode. It's it's the first episode that has. It's the first episode of 2009. It has the first episode four acts, three act breaks. Like it's a lot of like. There's a like footnotes in there, but it's also a terrible episode. It's just fine. It's perfectly fine. It's just dull. Um. So we don't fire the cannon of that. That's nice. I like that. Every week we don't fire a cannon. I feel better, Matt. Um, we're up, we go up to the top of the list. We're working our way down. We are number 103, which is Homer versus Patty and Selma. Well, I'm a little I bit, mean, that, that has uh, to stay so hard. Yeah, it stays. Of course. Yeah, it stays. It's a good episode. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I was just going to say, I feel like I'm a little surprised it's that low. Homer, Homer versus Patty and Selma. It's, I would probably, yeah. I'm going to guess it's probably 
just not a lot of jokes. It's a lot of Homer, Homer and Patty and Selma being mean to each other for a large part of the episode. And I think that's going to probably, pro- that's my, I mean, I, I don't go back and listen to world episodes I ever. So I don't remember precisely why we ranked it that low. It's also probably just a product of the stuff above it. We really liked all the stuff above it more than that one, even though Balmer was Patty's album was a good episode. But it's, it firmly is in the canon. Of course it is. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all we do for this episode. We're done, basically. Uh, except, oh, we got to plug stuff. I am Robbie Dorman. I'm on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. Um, you can find me online on at my website, RobbieDorman.com, which has links to everything I do on the internet. My novels are there. My newest horror novel. I'm a, I, I, guys, I have a lot of books. You should go read them. Uh, my newest one is called Killer Hockey Mascot. It's about a killer hockey mascot. Uh, do you like the idea of Gritty, but a, a, a serial killer that eats and devours chaos and pain and blood then you like that book that's all it is it's a lot of fun um you go check it out it's on amazon or wherever you buy your books uh if you do that i will love you forever and if you do that and then leave me a nice review i'll love you even more uh matt does not participate in social media you will not find him no but i do participate indirectly with incredibly cute kittens uh i believe we are now up to six kittens in the house uh and they are all incredibly adorable uh, one is just about to have eyes. I mean, they have eyes. They're just not like on display yet. Uh, if you'd like to see these adorable kittens, you can check them out at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S on Instagram. Uh, we should have a post next day or so uh, letting you see how incredibly adorable they are. And if you are in the Central Florida area, you can adopt these kittens once they're big enough. You can take them home and just suffer their adorableness for the rest of your lives. They're very cute kittens. I can't, I can't argue with that. That seems like a lot of cats at once. It does seem like it, but thankfully, two of them don't move a whole lot. They scream a lot, though. <laughs> that doesn't. I don't know if you believe. I don't like that. Doesn't necessarily make me feel like better about it. Oh, they scream a lot. That's good. Okay, um, that'll do it for us today. I'm Robbie, and I'm Matt, and I keep watching this episode. Uh... Shh.